Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm Suzanne Weller, and this is a show about growth and unleashing what's possible. You'll hear inspiring stories about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we choose courage over comfort. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. It's Suzanne. It's wonderful to have you here today at The Courage Effect. I am excited for my guest today, who is Dr. Julie Pham. Dr. Julie Pham is the founder and CEO of Curiosity Based, an organizational development firm based in Seattle. She is recognized with numerous awards for her community leadership and has applied her community building approach to creating strong, collaborative and curious teams. She was born in Saigon, Vietnam, and was raised right here in Seattle. She earned her PhD in history at Cambridge University as a Gates Cambridge Scholar, graduated from UC Berkeley as a Haas Scholar, and earned her real-life MBA by running her family's Vietnamese language newspaper during the 2008 to 2010 recession. She has quite a resume. She's worked as a journalist, historian, university lecturer, marketer, nonprofit executive, and management consultant. And she's also written two books, one in uh, 2019, which was Their War, Their Perspectives of South Vietnamese Military, in the words of veteran Emmy Graves, and one last year in 2022, which was a number one Amazon new release and bestseller, Seven Forms of Respect, A Guide to Transforming Your Communication and Relationships at Work, which I have to say was one of my favorite books last year. It did truly transform how I work with clients, how I navigate some relationships at work, and how I think about respect. So with that big welcome, welcome, Julie. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for for inviting me, Suzanne. Uh, it's great to have you here. So as I read through your journey, there is quite a bit there. And you have worked, obviously, in a number of different environments, in a number of different organizations. And how can courage not be a major thread throughout this journey? So I'd love for you to share a little bit about what does courage mean to you and how has that shown up within your professional experience? Courage means being willing to do something that's really hard, which is something that's unknown. And I think that's relative to everyone. It's, it's I, I will say I'm scared of heights. There's one thing of just being up high and that's a physical scare. There's also just being willing to say things that I, that I'm uncomfortable with. Um, and I, Suzanne, I also want to share a lot of my ideas of courage actually come from my parents. Ah. And because I think about my parents, I mean, I left Vietnam with my parents when I was a two month old boat person. And, um, oh, wow. and I always think about this poem by Wartan Shire called home. She's a Somali British and she wrote, you have to understand no one puts their child in a boat unless the water is safer than the land. Wow. Yeah. Talk about courage. So whenever I need inspiration for courage, I just think about what my, what my parents did. And she's like, okay, you know, Julie, what you're going to do? Not that hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> Talk about perspective. Uh, right. <laughs> wow. Your parents must be really, truly amazing people. Yes. And along with all the other hundreds of thousands of Vietnamese refugee who fled uh, by boat and fled their homeland. So well, and it's because you do organizational development. I mean, it's it's such a messy thing, right? Work communications, work relationships, and the fact that you have really taken taken a page from your parents' book of of 
stepping into courage when it makes sense. I'm curious for you, how, how does that show up for you on a daily basis when you're doing your work? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Every day it's like, Ooh, should I say this? Do I say it now? How do I say this? How do I ask this question in a way that is going to be direct and, and yet direct and clear and precise and also kind. And so I'm always thinking about that. I think that it's a constant practice, even though I, I do it all the time and I talk about how to do it with other people, I still have to think about it. Well, and that's the thing is, I think thinking about it is so important, but also not getting so caught up in overthinking where you're not mm -hmm. able to really speak effectively to it. So, and I think that's one of the things now is that people, there's so much fear. I mean, there's always fear anyway, but now we're also afraid to, to offend somebody, to be in a, in a space where we're respecting somebody at the same time, raising our voice for what matters to us individually. I'm sure that's a constant theme in what you're doing every day. Mm -hmm. And I actually just read a headline, 40% of MIT professors self-censor more than they did wow. two years ago. Two years, 40%. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And so just to think about how much how much we monitor and watch what we say. And and so and I think that it's it's actually we judge ourselves a lot. We judge ourselves and then we worry about other people judging us because we also think about we judge ourselves and then, you know, and then we're also judging them. So there is a lot of there is a lot of judgment that goes around. And and I always just think if if we want other people to learn from us, we have to be willing to learn from them. And we also have to be willing to, to ask ourselves some, some really hard questions too. Such a good and that point. that could take yeah. courage. I mean, even just that, right? Like the courage of asking myself, Hey, why do I feel this way? Very much so. And, and kind of face that. Yeah. Well, and I love, so I'm actually going to quote something from your book. I hope that doesn't make you too uncomfortable. This is, this is something because it's about judgment. And I think that this has so much to do exactly as you said, with courage. Respect is a two-way street. If you want others to change their minds, you have to be willing to change your own. If you want others to listen to you, you have to listen to them. And if you don't want others to judge, you have to stop judging them. You also have to stop judging yourself. Yes. So good. It's for so many reasons, but talk to me a little bit about where, where judgment comes in for you when we're talking about courage. Oh my gosh. I remember this. Uh, there was a, gosh, what was it? Maybe four or five years ago, I had this experience where I, I was part of a program. It was a part of a leadership program. And I just disagreed with what some of the people were saying in the program. And I started to say things and just, Hey, what about this? And, and I was just ignored. Mm. And and then I just got tired and I just thought, oh, like I can't, you know, should I continue to say something? Should I try? And, and then I went into, then I, so there, on one hand, I was a participant and then I went into a program where I was leading it and I was carrying all of that because I was thinking if I can't, if I don't have the courage to say something, then how can I lead other people in doing that? And it actually, Susanna, it took me months of just self-reflection and talking about it with other people until I was able to go back to that person who I really disagreed with and to ask for a conversation. And so that's another thing I think about courage is it doesn't have to be immediate. 
and like this self-processing this judgment because it's as long as we are willing to do something at some point I don't I think actually sometimes our expectations of having to do something to respond right away actually gets us to maybe respond in a way that is just more reactive than thoughtful because I mean I need time to process and that's that's actually sometimes I still need I still need a month I I, I need some days it's 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 not that I'm always just courage is actually not eloquent and and, and quick about that it can also, especially the courage that it takes for ourselves, it can actually, sometimes it actually, it takes courage just to slow down. It takes courage just to slow down. That's, that's and to ask for help too. And to also ask yeah. for help and to share with other people, hey, I'm going through this, which I think there's a difference between I'm venting or I'm asking you to save me or I'm asking you to come up with a solution. It was just like, hey, I'm thinking I'm trying this out or I'm, I'm going through this and sharing the parts that are hard. Uh, and that takes courage too. You also have me thinking about being the receiver on the other side of it. We need to also create spaces for other people to be courageous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And also, I mean, so if we need to slow down, we also have to be willing to accept that other people, we should let them slow down too. Right. I mean, how often I've, I've been there, just like, why didn't they respond? What are they thinking? <laughs> why didn't they get back to me? Hmm. You're just actually, Maybe they're doing what I need to do, just to slow down. To process. <laughs> yeah, right? I, th I think that's actually, especially now, because things are going, we're moving so quickly. Yeah. And, and people expect quick responses. And so I've actually just been trying to, to say, hey, I'm not ready to respond. Let me get back to you. So that I do acknowledge that a request has come in or questions been asked. And actually, that's another thing, Suzanne, it's just even when we're asked questions, I think that it takes, it can even take courage to say, I don't know, and I need some time to think about that. Yeah. Do you get pushback ever when you ask for that? I think I get, people get surprised. People are surprised because after we don't actually ask, get, we don't, people don't slow down. I, I actually, uh, I was doing my first big live book talk and someone asked me this question. It was a uh, audience Q and a, and I had this thought like, do I, I don't know that answer. Do I ramble my way through that answer? No, I'm going to say that's a really good question. I don't know the answer. I'm going to have to think about that. And actually I've been told by people, Oh my gosh, thank you for just saying that <laughs> you were saying you don't know. And I really had to think about it. I was just like, I could start verbalizing. No, I'm going to ask permission to just pause and say, I don't know. I think that is such a, such an important point is not only asking for, for time, but also having the courage to say, you don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And especially I think as women too, there's that additional thing of like, oh, I have to prove myself in certain situations. And I'm sure this is the same for, I mean, people in any in any situation where they're disempowered, like, because you feel like you're always earning <laughs> respect in some way, or you're earning that credibility, it can be really scary to say you don't know. Suzanne, I have discovered it gets way worse when I try to fake my way through it. <laughs> it is way worse. And as you said, it you just fall prey to the pressure. Oh, yeah, yes. The pressure of trying to come up with something. And, and that's actually my own pressure. I'm feeling more pressure from them than they're actually probably giving me. 
We are so hard on ourselves. I mean, this goes back to your, you know, the quote about judging yourself, what we do, the stakes that we put ourselves in. I mean, it's like a constant pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to be breaking for an ad in a minute, but I'm just thinking about when we come back, what might be some ways that we, that we give people the opportunity to have the courage to maybe speak up in those awkward situations or those uncomfortable situations, or maybe feel empowered to say they don't know or to to ask for silence. And I don't know if you have other examples that maybe you're willing to share or ways that you might be able to inspire our listeners to uh, to tap into their courage. That would be really welcome. All right, we're going to take a break and we will be right back. This is Suzanne Weller and this is The Courage Effect. In business, your people are your most important asset. With so much change happening on the professional landscape, does your company have the expertise to support your employees for what the future holds? Maybe it's time for a partner like Plum. Female founded over 13 years ago, Plum HR Consulting provides human resources expertise to small and medium-sized businesses up and down the West Coast. Plum's HR consultants have more than 15 years of human resources experience in every type of industry, including tech, real estate, construction, manufacturing, and nonprofit. From long-term engagements to shorter projects, Plum can support almost every aspect of your business's HR goals. Allow Plum to take human resources off your plate so that you can go back to growing and leading your business. Visit PlumSeattle.com for details and information on their services. Alternative Talk 1150, talk radio for the body, mind, and soul. Welcome back to The Courage Effect. This is Suzanne Weller, and my guest today is Dr. Julie Pham. We are talking about courage to sometimes ask for more time when you don't necessarily want to respond to something in the moment um, and really feeling that pressure. And what are maybe some ways to be able to ask for that time? Um, Julie, I'd love for you to to share a little bit about your experiences and maybe some tips with with our listeners. Yes, I think that asking, actually, first of all, just learning how to decline a question or saying, hey, I don't know how to answer that. I need some more time. Or actually, I want to understand what what the intention of your question or what you're trying to understand is also helpful because sometimes we might be reacting to what we think the question's about. I mean, I often think about the question behind the question and my head's already there. And actually, they are literally just saying, how do you feel about that? And I'm thinking, what do you really think? And, you know, I'm coming up with all of this stuff. And so it's actually really helpful for me to slow down and to say, hey, uh, can you explain a bit more of what you're looking for or what you're looking to understand? Uh, and also when when we're having, when I'm having a reaction, a negative reaction to something, and the first question I want to ask is, why are you being such a jerk? Or how could you possibly think that? And And I allow myself to think that. <laughs> and ask it in my mind. And then also then just ask another question of just, hey, can we talk? Uh, I'm I'm feeling about I'm I'm feeling bad about this. Can can we talk about it? Or are you open to me sharing how I feel? And so it's asking a question actually. And so in that one, that question is about consent. Yeah. It's about the consent to to talk more. There's also the, hey, I'm seeing this and I, I just really want to understand more of why you're uh, why you are 
what's what's going on for you? Why do you have your phone out <laughs> during our meeting? <laughs> and because I, right now I'm kind of feeling I'm I'm feeling ignored or I'm feeling maybe I'm not is my talk not interesting? That's what's coming up for me. Uh, and so just to be able to to ask for people's intentions to initiate a conversation, actually, I think that curiosity is often the, the anecdote to to passiveness, to suppression of our feelings. If if we can just think about it in terms of a a question. And you know, Suzanne, it's interesting because sometimes people say, well, isn't that, isn't that passive? Or why should we ask a question? It's like, because we actually don't know, right? We actually don't know. And a question will actually initiate a conversation and allow for that conversation versus assuming that we know what their intent is. And it slows us down to think maybe they have a different intention than the one that I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, intention is such an important thing and, and clarification around that to your point as well. So, because, and sometimes people think, well, it takes more time to do that. But if you're talking about what you need to be talking about, <laughs> then you're essentially saving time because you're, you're preventing some mess happening in the future. Yeah. I, and, you know, I remember having a, having this conversation with a good friend of mine and I asked her for some help and she didn't respond. And so then I read that as, oh, she doesn't want to help me. And then I was feeling bad about it. And I was thinking about it and thinking about it. And so then I actually went back to her and I just said, hey, I, we had that conversation. You, you didn't respond. I felt ignored. I wondered if I was, did I offend you? Did I say something that made you uncomfortable? And then we had a really great conversation about it. And she shared her explanation in a way, it was a reason that I no idea she was thinking about that because she actually did hear my question and she felt that she couldn't help me and she felt embarrassed by her inability to help me so she wanted so she instead chose to deflect mm. and if we hadn't if I hadn't invited that conversation then I would I would totally have been thinking she just didn't want to help me I also really like that you are basically using some of the techniques of your you're decoupling the behavior from the person right you're not blaming somebody for making you feel bad or making you feel a certain way. You're saying, I feel this way because of this. And I think that that is a huge, I mean, when, when, when you make that, that difference, it allows people to understand the ramifications of their behavior. And I think it leads to less judgment at the same time. And Suzanne, that took me three days. <laughs> I just want, I stewed on it for three days and then I said something to her. So again, I had to slow down and really think about it. So but you did it. I mean, and a lot of the time people don't, right? It's like, we like, we, we avoid, I mean, there's the whole idea of I'm pulling the ripcord and I'm leaving this conversation and I never come back to it. I mean, I'm, and I see, we do that all the time with families, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I'm not going to do this because it's a holiday <laughs> or it's a special day. I'm going to wait. And then maybe the next time you see them is the next holiday. So anyway, I, it's so easy to defer those things and then for them to never actually happen. Yeah. I'm curious for you too, with, with these exchanges, because obviously you've had some ones that have, that have been messy or like in hindsight, maybe you wish that you would have done things a little bit differently. Is there one, maybe a do-over moment that you'd like to share? Oh my gosh. I remember, I remember it was, it was a job that I wanted to leave, but I didn't know how to tell my boss I wanted to leave. And so I made a mistake with something and then I used it as this oh 
that mistake was so horrible. All I could possibly, I must resign for the sake of the organization. I cannot have other people think the poorly on us. I must resign. I was so passive. <laughs> I didn't want to say I don't want to work here anymore. And instead, I made myself into a martyr. It's like, oh, I made this mistake and there's no way for me to recover. And so the only thing I could possibly do is leave. And I wish I had been more clear about the issues that I was having at work and with and with and with my boss. And instead, and they were so confused because they wrote back and they're just like, what do you mean? No, this you don't you don't need to resign. I'm like, no, no, I must resign. <laughs> so <laughs> De yeah, definitely some martyr going on there, throwing yourself on it's the side. <laughs> Other than having a, I'm unhappy here. Um, another another example I think about is uh, in another workplace, I was having issues with my boss and I started, and there's someone else, a peer of his on another team who had a huge issue with him. And I started complaining about him to her and she would just soak it up, right? Because this is ammunition against this person who she, a peer who she doesn't like. And I thought she would save me. I thought she would save me from a bad situation. And, and she didn't. Instead, she told other people what I said. And so I found out that my talking behind his back was actually getting around in the org. And it just made me look really bad. And so what I learned from that was I can't expect other people to fight my battles for me. I can't expect other people to save me. And I also have to be responsible and take responsibility for the things that I say. So important. And as you said, you have no idea what other people's intentions are, where you you feel like you're in a safe space maybe, but yeah, but obviously you weren't. Mm -mm. I was just a pawn. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just a pawn in the workplace. So yeah. <laughs> Live well, and that also makes me think of integrity, right? I mean, really... There, there's times where, you know, like if somebody complains to you about somebody else and you think, well, what are they saying about me to somebody else, <laughs> right? Like, oh, absolutely. There, there's a certain amount of trust that I think is eroded when that's happening. And, and I like to think about that of, okay, am I showing up with integrity when I'm having these conversations? Because could this in some way be used against me or have me showing up in a way that I don't want to be known for? Well, Suzanne, another example of one where I was actually given advice that I didn't take was um, I found I at, at a work dinner, I asked some of my coworkers a question that I guess later on I found out made some of them really uncomfortable. And I found out from someone else. And and I talked to my boss, I talked to my peer about it and they were just like, oh, yeah, you should just let that go. Too bad that they think that. And it just kept eating at me because then I kept thinking, what else are they saying? What else are, they? I started to get paranoid actually. And so, I talked to someone who was just, no, you should say something. And so I actually did, I did ask them a question. I said, hey, I want to acknowledge that I said something that I, I want to apologize for what I said. I want to acknowledge it. And I also want to ask you to let me know in the future if directly, if I do something. And I'm so glad that I said something because I was doing on that. And I decided not to take the advice <laughs> of people who are just, oh, just ignore it. That's a really great point too, is, you know, just because somebody's giving you advice doesn't necessarily mean that you have to action on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it's an offering. And I think that's one of the things that, especially if it's coming from somebody that's more senior in an organization, right? You're like, well, they've been around the block. They know what's going on here. I should listen to them. But if it's something that goes against your gut, it's usually not, it's usually not worth it. <laughs> well, you know what, Susan, what ended up happening was, so after I, after I had the conversations, the direct conversations with people, I went to, I told my boss, Hey, I didn't follow your advice. I did this instead. And he actually said, you actually modeled the behavior that we should have here. And so we had this whole discussion about how we shouldn't be talking behind people's backs with the exec team. That is so powerful for so many reasons, because you were basically modeling the behavior for your boss as well. Yes. I I mean, at the time I was just, you know, I hear what you're saying, but it doesn't make me feel good. And I'm just going to, sometimes we just have to trust our gut. And that's, that's what my gut was telling me that I need to have this, this conversation with people yeah. directly. Well, and I do think courage is a gut move a lot of the time. But to your point earlier, that can be a bit of a dance when you're in that zone of feeling like there's that bias to action and that speed where it's like, yeah. And one of the thing is it's a risk because we don't know how they're going to take it. And that's the thing about building a relationship is it takes risk. Yeah. We don't know how they're going to take it. And some of them, I mean, I, some of them took it well and begged me and others, I know we into, cause I heard from others, oh, I can't believe she shot that. <laughs> so, you know, we just, people are going to take, people are going to respond differently. And we, we can't predict that. And all I can do is, is stay true to myself and maybe that'll work and we'll have a deeper relationship. And for other people, it's going to, it's going to isolate us even more. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth the risk of taking, of mm -hmm. taking the, mm -hmm. the leap. Yeah. Well, I know that we're going to be coming up on time soon, but um, thank you for sharing the stories of when things didn't go as well <laughs> as you learned. Um, and the idea of really taking that leap and the cost of maybe the cost of, of not moving into courage, not stepping into a place where you feel like you're really, truly being honest with yourself. So for people that would love to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? You can follow me on LinkedIn and just direct message me on LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn and Julie Fam number two, because there's another Julie Fam out there. So uh, my website is curiositybase.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Julie Fam PhD. Great. Well, and also you have a fantastic newsletter and I know a new, new issue just came out this morning, which I love. So um, I will put that information on the website. So you'll be able to find out more about Dr. Julie Pham and myself, Suzanne Weller on the Courage Effect website. So thank you for a really great conversation, Julie. Thank you for getting vulnerable and sharing your story. And um, thank you everybody for listening. Take care, stay strong, stay courageous.